Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used. We're just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech Podcast. My guest today is Oscar Tahunchu. He's the CEO of a company called Tantalum. Tantalum Corporation is the website.com. Oscar, how are you doing today? Very good, Richard. Thanks for having me on this podcast. Yeah, yeah no problem. Tell me about uh, Tantalum. What's the idea behind the company? Sure. Um, the idea behind the company is uh, it's basically originates around our vision to build a marketplace uh, for connected car services and uh, data monetization for cars. If I can expand on that a little bit, uh, if you look at the history of cars, um, they used to be four wheels and a steering wheel, maybe until 1960s. Uh, as a matter of fact, the first uh, sensor in a car was introduced in 1968 uh, by Bosch in Germany. And since then, we have seen cars becoming more and more electronic, over the years, they have become more software and less hardware. Of course, becoming more software-centric, a lot of things becoming uh, driven by software, more sensors. You basically go into a domain where cars are generating a lot of data about what's going on. And these are starting from the very basic uh, things like location data. But if you go into some more niche uh, domains, I mean, even some uh, cars have sensors like they could... Uh, track how many times a glow compartment is being open and closed. In some of the advanced cars today, you have almost like 100 sensors generating data about what's happening in the car, about the usage of the car, uh, how the car is being driven. Uh, just to give you a nutshell, uh, I mean, it's almost like 25 gigabits of data are being generated every day by some of these uh, more advanced models of cars. So as as this data becomes available, of course, there are just like uh, any other domain that we're seeing, uh, you have a lot of disruption happening, uh, different players coming in like ourselves who are looking how to make best use of this data for consumers and businesses. Uh, so ultimately what we do is we look at this data that's coming from the car and then we design connected car uh, services around this data. What I mean by that is we look for ways to improve your parking experience. We look for ways when you go into a gas station, your fueling experience. When you're stranded on the side of the road, we make sure you get roadside assistance fast and you can actually track the tow truck coming your way. Uh, we look for ways to save you on insurance premiums. So think about all the services uh, you need around your car. Uh, think about your relationship with the car and all the things you do for the car. Uh, our business is around using the data and uh, building uh, usable and relevant services for you around that. Um, so in a nutshell, I mean, that's what um, we do. Okay. Yeah, well, go ahead. Um, I can see all these concepts that you want to improve, but what about the data itself? What um, uses have you thought of that you think maybe you don't know what they're going to be used for yet? You know, what, what ideas have come to you from the data? Any surprises, uh, things you don't know what to do with, or things that you have a good idea? you want to utilize in the data stream? I mean, I think you can start with um, easy things like, uh, let's say, um, I mean, some are actually quite simple concepts, but think about your parking experience today, the way we envision parking, and it's now actually uh, 
uh, being implemented uh, in in US uh, through our partnership with Harman and AT&T. We actually would love for you to be able to, through a voice recognition, say, you know what, I would like to park my car or just say park my car. And then uh, you are directed towards a parking lot that we have an agreement with. Uh, the parking lot knows where the car is. The car knows where the parking lot is. You're navigated towards that. And your credit card information is in, actually in the, in the system. So you just walk, drive into the parking lot. You stay there for a number of hours and you exit. And that whole experience is, I mean, if you think about it, it's very simple. It's basically the location-based data. Uh, it's the make and model of your car that's being recognized by uh, the parking garage through vehicle recognition. Uh, your payment information is already embedded in the app. So uh, a lot of this is actually, I mean, we can start with very convenient, simple use cases. Then on the other side, I think we're looking uh, for ways to, for example, on the insurance, how you drive makes a huge difference uh, based on uh, your risk profile. Um, so we are able to uh, basically, provided that you decide to share your data, we are able to see how you drive, how you speed, uh, how you're obeying the speed limits. And then insurance companies are coming after these uh, good drivers to actually uh, allow them and save them premiums on their insurance. So, um, and I think your point is valid. We're in the early phases. We're still uh, bringing a number of uh, customers on board. So as more data comes in, I think we will see even further opportunities to cross-examine and come up with uh, new ways to monetize and find use cases for that data. In regards to the driving data, I mean, I don't drive perfectly. I think I drive pretty well, but, you know, I've, I've probably screwed up for sure maybe a couple times a day. Um, do you think that people are going to want to share it or be forced to share it? And, you know, have you looked at the data? Do you see that people drive perfectly or do they tend to, you know, speed a couple of miles over a few times or roll a stop sign or things like that? Like, what do you think is going to happen with that particular data? I think, I mean, it's it's ultimately what what we see is, let's say if you're a dad with two kids, uh, your insurance premiums from a risk profile perspective are already probably low. Uh, we see that demographic is probably not going to be willing to share their data. Uh, this particular proposition, for example, is uh, suitable for uh, teenage drivers where uh, with limits driving history, with a high-risk profile. So if you are in that bracket, let's say, and if you are willing to share your data and if you are actually a much better driver than the stereotypical teenage driver, then you're going to see a lot of savings coming. So... I would say for someone like you, if your insurance premiums are low, then uh, I don't think the proposition is good for you. Uh, it's probably better for people who are paying for whatever reason is perceived as a high risk profile, uh, either because of prior history, because of demographics. Uh, I think that that would be significantly more suitable, I would say. Well, do you think that, um, I mean, I guess the insurance company will adapt, but I'm sure they're going to see that no one you know, follows all the rules all the time. I highly doubt that. And then, um, of course, I mean, with the, with the enticement of lower mm -hmm. risk premium, they, they could probably offer it to everybody and actually probably everyone would do it at some point. Um, but it just, you know, it just kind of becomes like their surveillance issue. You know, people in their cars, I think they, I think they want to be private and have their own little space. And I just wonder how the invasion of data is going to, um, 
is it going to come up against people's expectation of privacy in their cars or if they'll let it go? I think, I mean, I'll, I'll give you, I mean, first of all, from a sh data sharing perspective, I mean, when before you even share your data, I think you are basically given an opportunity to review uh, why is the data being used for. I think we have been extremely diligent when it comes to that. And it's really optional. I mean, how we designed our systems are, when it comes to certain types of data, you can choose, I'm willing to share this, I'm not going to share this, and you have full control over where that data, like which uh, entities that data is shared with. So I think from a control perspective, um, you have full control over the data. Um, then uh, when it comes to uh, your, your other part of the uh, question, uh, okay, what happens when the data is shared? I think um, it, it's it's really I mean it's really up to you basically uh, to 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 make sure um, you are getting I mean if you're happy with it the way I see it is if you look at some of the social media sites what I have seen is when people see great benefit of using a tool then they're willing to share uh, data provided they know exactly uh, how it's being shared I think some of the things that we have seen in the media with some of the social media. Uh, uh, companies, I think definitely, especially in the U.S., alerted uh, consumers and enterprises a lot more. I can tell you, for example, uh, a lot of the issues that went uh, ahead with some of the social media companies in like early 2018 um, basically created a, a lot of issues for us for us to be able to conclude our contracts and some of the security and privacy type of things significantly longer than uh, that we anticipated. So there was a lot more scrutiny being put on this domain. So you're absolutely right. But I mean, ultimately, you're in control of the data. You get to choose whether to share or not. How about for uh, car safety? You know, you, is there going to be a uh, car to car communication where my car will be looking at other cars on the road, you know, judging their speed and distance and how fast they're approaching me or they're moving into my lane or, you know, that kind of stuff to improve the safety of the driving experience? I think that would be a huge area that needs to be addressed and looked at. Exactly. I think, I mean, again, if you look at the very early use cases, of course, we I gave some examples on convenience and maybe uh, savings. But ultimately, when it comes to these types of technologies, you are right. The most uh, favorable bonds have been around safety. Uh, it could be safety of where the car is, let's say if the car is stolen or whatever. I think we want to be able to track that. Um, and to your point, vehicle-to-vehicle uh, -vehicle communication, um, especially knowing um, I mean, what's happening around you. I mean, I can tell you a huge use case is around, like sometimes there's an accident uh, and you don't know that there's an accident and there are more cars crashing into that. I mean, it's such a simple thing to fix actually with today's technologies. All you need to get is some sort of a notification that there's indeed an accident, uh, just like 100 yards ahead. And some of the very basic info is not flowing into uh, today's drivers and causing a lot more uh, issues and accidents. So I think uh, V2B, V2B communication is, is a hot domain. Uh, a lot of the telcos, um, uh, communication companies are very much interested in that. I think with uh, 5G, you're going to see a lot more of these use cases being enabled as well uh, because 5G is going to bring even faster speeds as well as lower latencies, meaning it's going to be significantly faster for information to move from uh, one point to another. So for you to be uh, informed about an accident that 
is happening or about to happen is is you you'll be notified lightning fast significantly faster than uh, today's uh, speeds basically yeah and i would think accident reporting is going to happen a lot faster too because i would bet a a typical accident you know the first minute or two at least if not five minutes is spent with people going uh getting out of the car as they can and you know talking to each other but you know an accident could happen and then within you know seconds in certain scenarios uh, police and uh, you know medical personnel could be could be called and the accident could be resolved a lot faster so i could see that um exactly and i mean this is actually the one thing uh, our technology provides today already and it's uh, it's part of our uh, product launch in us that went uh, ahead end of september we basically have a feature called automated 911 so what happens is we can uh, if you are using our product we know that you are in an accident because we have quite elaborate crash detection modules we know that there has been an accident in that car and what we do is uh, and some of the automotive companies do this today but not not all of them and uh, what we do is we basically uh, give you a call to your mobile phone and if you're unable to answer it once twice or three times then we know that you have been in an accident and you are unable to answer your phone so it must be serious Uh, so we can actually do an automated 911 call followed by 911 dispatch and i think that in itself you can do it in 60 uh, seconds plus just like to a point and that's a life saving intervention and use of technology i think that's super useful what about um cars again looking at other cars or other vehicles on the road and using their own sensors to report in what other cars are doing or to look and see road conditions or to look and see you know i mean the car sensors could be used for you but they also could be used to observe the environment again and gather lots of data so if you have a highway with you know i don't know dozens of cars that are hooked up with your technology um i guess the the combined observations of all those cars would probably give you a whole another stream of data that could be very useful exactly i mean if you think about uh typical cars today i mean again the analogy i would use is um typically cars are in listening mode today meaning they're receiving information either through their uh, navigation systems or through safety systems or uh, data flowing in but they're not necessarily as much uh, transmitting uh, so i think precisely to your point with the number of sensors uh, their ability to actually i mean essentially the car is moving it's mobile it has a number of sensors installed so the car I think I think in the future and not too distant in the future I think in the near future we're going to see more and more of the cases where uh, cars are listening as well as transmitting meaning um, I mean they are sensing what's happening around them the road conditions traffic conditions um the traffic flow uh, potential hazards and they're going to be transmitting that information uh, to uh, ultimately I mean in with clouds infrastructures with faster speeds in mobile broadband i think that central repository of information is going to be available to all cars traveling so once again uh, i think you make a great point cars themselves will be collecting and transmitting and sharing this information so it's the typical network effect more cars who have these types of technologies installed the richer uh, the data is going to be and i think uh, the value of the system the whole connected car system as a whole not the individual car is going to become uh, exponentially more valuable
And I think what would be useful too is um, if a car, as it goes through its gas tank or as it goes through its charge, if it could um, if it could pull up the location of you know gas stations or electric charging stations that are closest and show on a you know brief map. You know, either through your phone or, you know, again, maybe the car senses it. It just knows where gas stations are or charging stations. But it could tell you where to get fuel quickly and in which direction. You know, same thing if um, the battery starts acting up or other parts of the car start to malfunction. It could show you where uh, repair stations are, that kind of thing. So the car could help itself if it gets in trouble. Exactly. And I think you touch on a good point. I think the key word you mentioned there is very dear to our hearts like the car helping itself. If you think about your relationship with the car today, it's a little bit like uh, the analogy I like using. It's a little bit like one with of a, like a high-maintenance girlfriend or a boyfriend. Because if you think about how you construct your relationship with a car, you're looking for parking for your car, you're taking your car for smoke test, you're taking your car for repair, you're taking your car, you know, you renew the insurance on your car, I think you're going to see more and more of these types of basic services that cars are maintaining themselves. Exactly to your point, the car knows exactly what's wrong with it. And it's even going beyond that. I think they're moving towards more and more predictive maintenance type of things saying, you know, it looks like this might break down in the next three, 400 kilometers or miles. So it might be a good idea to actually take it to the shop now. And while doing that, Precisely to your point again, uh, the car is actually able to give you a choice of uh, garages or uh, repair facilities where you can take your car. It could be based on just like uh, any other uh, consumer-oriented app. I think it's going to become based on proximity, based on consumer reviews, based on price points. Uh, we have all this information available. And I mean, again, um, it's it's not like too distant in the future when it comes to your example on fuel. Uh, both on electric charger facilities as well as gas stations. Uh, we are uh, starting to provide this service already uh, here in UK. And then um, when it comes to repair, uh, this is also something that we will start providing in 2018 before the end of the year already in the US. So uh, a lot of this information is available. Uh, again, it goes back to my very original statement. I think how do you put the data to its use? How do you get to repair locations, uh, price points, and co- consumer reviews, and couple that with what's happening in the car and create a use case that's actually valuable uh, for the driver? I think that's that's where we focus in terms of our efforts. Yeah, very good. I, I see probably what will happen is um, this will happen with common use vehicles, you know, buses, that kind of thing, because people won't really have a choice about sharing the data it'll be useful to share the data on those kind of vehicles. So those that fleet vehicles probably will be the first ones to be kitted out, you know, with the full full set of possible data, everything we talked about, and then it'll go to uh, individual users' cars. I mean, for sure. I think, like, for example, just to give an example, I mean, a lot of uh, cities now with their bus services uh, or their uh, fleets, like garbage trucks and things like that, uh, they are actually installing telematics-based applications where, at the least, I mean, they can uh, track how their drivers are driving, uh, essentially. I think it's a fantastic way to, uh, uh, I mean, it's not about really tracking the drivers because the successful implementations of uh, this uh, in like municipalities or cities being implemented, 
is not necessarily to, with punitive and penalties, but if, let's say, you're a bus driver and you're driving really well in terms of acceleration, braking, cornering, uh, obeying the speed limits, then you actually get rewarded. It could be incentives. It could be uh, it could be anything. I think uh, we, we're seeing a, a really good examples of this being implemented already. Um, and to your point, uh, with the fleets, because it's a business proposition, uh, the driver really doesn't have a choice because it comes uh, part of the job. And as a bus driver, public bus driver, you're expected to drive safely. So uh, it's just uh, part of the package. I think uh, early adopters will definitely be coming from uh, uh, like public use uh, type of vehicles, for sure. Well, very good. So what what's ahead in the next um, six months or a year for Tantalum? Where are you guys going and what are you going to be deploying then? Um, I think we we're we're looking at adding more, and I mean I gave you some uh, tidbits in terms of uh, the types of services we have deployed, and we're continuing to deploy. Uh, so we continue to look at some of these domains like repair, fueling, parking, uh, roadside accident management, emergency response type of scenarios, and we want to make it uh, more and more useful uh, for for drivers. Um, uh, I mean, U.S. has been a big focus market for us. Again, we have our product now launched together with Harman and AT&T. Uh, I mean, if you walk into any AT&T retail store, it would be available. Uh, I think we're going to see more, we're going to put more and more innovation into that product. Then, um, I mean, we have a number of other opportunities. Uh, I mean, we're based in UK. We have a number of opportunities, uh, similar type of opportunities going on in in, in Europe. Uh, plus, I think we're we're seeing a lot of traction uh, working directly with automotive companies uh, because automotive companies also realize that they're sitting on a gold mine when it comes to data, but not all of them have clear strategies in terms of how can they make use of this data, how can they make it uh, or put it to good use for for the benefit of the drivers. And there are a number of reasons for that. One is uh, it's a little bit like I mean it hasn't been their core business. The core business has been building cars. I think this whole connected car, data, um, agile ways of working, uh, being able to shift culturally from the long R&D cycles of automotive industry to be able to, uh, let's pick your example, okay, how can we actually create a user experience where we can help them where the charging stations are and let's do that in three months. I think that whole cultural shift is not easy. So a lot of the automotive companies are also looking at us in terms of uh, helping them in implementing their connected car strategies because we come with our vision and in terms of our use cases, how, how can they take the, some of their ideas to market probably faster um, than they would have done if they were to just do it internally. So our focus is really in making uh, our launch U.S. success, uh, continuing to expand into Europe um, uh, and then uh, working towards and working uh, expanding our partnerships with automotive companies where um, we are becoming more and more relevant for their future. So that's where the future lies for the next six to 12 months for us. It's been very exciting so far. Yeah, I'm seeing the possibilities. It takes a little while for my mind to open up, but I think it's been a, a great interview. So what, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? and to uh, collaborate? I mean, probably the best way would through our website and people can email uh, me directly as well. I mean, ultimately, we are a small growing company, so we're quite uh, we're quite responsive to anything. Uh, 
but the website is the best way, and there is a way to uh, access us uh, through that. Uh, you mentioned it, www.tantalumcorporation.com or my email address, ozgur.tohumcu at tantalumcorporation.com. So thanks for, thanks for your time. This has been fantastic. Great questions and very good insights. Amazing. Well, very good, Oscar. Thanks for coming. I really appreciate it. You've been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, both to review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.